Good morning, everybody. Welcome this morning to Lighthouse Bible Church. Let us begin by praying. Heavenly Father, we thank you for Jesus Christ, our Lord. We thank you, Father, that when we were your enemies, you gave us your most precious gift imaginable, the person of your son. And we thank you furthermore, Father, that in your plan and in his obedience, he went to the cross for us and died for our sins. And he was buried. And then on the third day, you raised him from the dead. Now, so whoever just simply believes in your son, Jesus Christ, will never perish, but have eternal life. Father, this morning, we would like to pray for Bill Cantrell and his family, his sons, Mark and Scott and Steve, grandchildren, um, because Helen has, has died and has come home to you. Father, we also pray, Father, that um, in the coming days, we as members of one another and as the body of Christ would uh, be there for Bill and his family. And also, Father, today we do pray that we would be able to be attentive to the word, that would that the Holy Spirit would guide and direct our thinking now and also when we're um, out in the world um, and you want us to apply what we learned. And we ask all of this in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord, by the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. All right, let us stand now and uh, we'll have a congregation song before we continue in the message this morning. All right, as I mentioned in, in prayer this morning, please continue to pray for Bill Cantrell and his sons and grandchildren. Um, on another note, a happier note, um, I don't know if you recall, but we mentioned uh, in prayer on Thursday evenings, we've been praying or the Healing Hands of Christ's Home. That's the home for lepers in India. Well, um, it was because they were having trouble with the local people. Remember that? They were renting a space. And some of the local people were kind of freaking out about the fact that there were, there were people healing from leprosy there. And it looked like the solution was to get their own building. And now, by the Lord's grace, they have that new building. And we are actually providing the funding for that by the Lord's grace. So I wanted everybody to understand um, the work that our church is doing um, in a place far away that um, with where the gospel's preached and where um, Christ's hands are at work, the body of Christ there. So um, I thank you. I also um, keep that in prayer. There's a lot of moving parts and something like that. There's, I'm sure there'll be challenges going forward. So please keep that in prayer as they um, put that together. Now, there's their building, and then there's our building. And um, I'm going to show you pictures in a minute. I think their building is better than our building. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> it's funny, though. I mean, it's kind, of a, it's kind of a great thing to think about it that way, that we're, you know, we're thinking about ourselves, but we're also providing it. That's awesome. Um, I want to thank everybody who was able to help us yesterday um, during our work day. Um, I do want to make sure everybody knows that we are going to continue to have service here at Can Consulting until we let you know otherwise. Okay, that could be soon, could not be. I'm done making predictions, but you will hear something from us when it's time to meet together in the new facility, the new building. Also, um, I want to show you some pictures this morning of that new home that is being put together. Well, it was an existing building, but it's being refurbished um, for the needs of the folks that are healing up from leprosy there. Uh, I, I don't know what this is. You think it's a kitchen? kitchen. Yeah, probably a kitchen. And I don't watch 
HDTV enough to be able to really. I think that's called a backsplash, though. Am I am I right about that? Yeah. And there's Pastor Adams on the right with one of his uh, men. Um, you can see he's pretty happy about this, and we're glad that he is. Um, and here's the split picture. Um, only reason is because he sent two of them, and I figured I'd put them together because they were very high. In any event, that's the external, as you can probably tell. Um, so it's pretty cool-looking building, um, inside and out, and we're happy for them. We're happy we were part of it. But again, keep them in prayer because they're going to continue to have face challenges, of course. Um, and I want to mention schedule. I know I've mentioned this a lot, but it's coming right up. Um, I'm going to be away from June 19th to the, to the 29th, and so um, we'll have the two weeks from today, that Sunday, we won't have service. So we'll have it next week, but not the week after. Okay. And around that, the two Bible studies are also, we won't have them until I get back. So I think that's all. Oh, yeah, let's, I've been saying this, but let's keep praying about the building to make sure we accomplish everything so we can get in there real soon. All right, let's turn now to our scripture. It's in John chapter 14, verses 12 to 17. John chapter 14, verses 12 to 17. Title of today's message comes from verse 15, which we will be getting to soon this morning. We're going to finish up verses 13 to 14, and then we're going to be in verse 15. And the title of today's message is very simple. If you love me, Jesus is is talking to his disciples and saying, if you love me. And of course, at that moment, they all in their hearts are saying, yeah, we want to love you. And then it's then it's followed up with keep my commandments. And we're going to see what that's all about in the context of this whole passage. Okay, so let's read the whole passage together. John chapter, I'll read and you listen. John chapter 14, verse 12. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also. And greater works than these he will do, because I go to the Father. Whatever you ask in my name, that I will do. So that the Father may be glorified in the Son, If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. Verse 15. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. Verse 16. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper, another counselor of the same kind as I am, that he, the counselor, the helper, may be with you forever. That is the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive. Because it does not see him or know him, but you know him because he abides with you and will be in you. As we've seen, there are four really big subjects in just in these six verses. Um, It's it's compact, but it's power packed. And those are, again, the greater works, greater works than those which Jesus did when he was here in the flesh. And we've seen about that, what he's talking about, because he's going to the Father. It's a new age. We have the Holy Spirit dwelling in our hearts. And we have a tremendous mission because the, the, the greatness of a work is in the purpose of it. So greater works, we studied that in verse 12. Last time we began the second great subject, which is answered prayer. Answered prayer. That's in verses 13 to 14. The third one, which we will get to this morning and start, is loving Christ. 
loving Christ. That's in verse 15. And the last one is another counselor, another helper, the Holy Spirit. So again, these are major, major subjects, even though we're seeing single sentences, right, about each one. That tells us, of course, that they will be further developed. They'll be further developed as we go along in, in chapters 14 and 15 and 16. But I wanted you to see those four major subjects. Again, last Sunday, we considered the second one. We started it, answered prayer, prayer in Jesus' name. And we asked the question, what does it mean to ask for something in Jesus' name? I mean, that's the that's the whole central principle that drives whatever you ask in my name, I will do it. We have to understand and we looked at and I hope we started to get a better understanding of what that means. See, we saw that it right here in the scripture to ask for something in Jesus name is to ask for something that will glorify the father in the son. It's that simple. We can ask. I'm not saying that we everything that we pray for has to be that it's impossible. You know, I was trying to apply this in my prayer life this week. And I was saying to my like, I get to something like I'm, I'm praying for so and so. And then I stop and I say, you know, how does that glorify the father? And sometimes I can't figure it out, but I want it to be so, you know. Um, but we ask for things besides that. And he may grant it or may not. But we're talking about a special sort of prayer, which is prayer in Jesus name. That's the one that he'll do. And so it basically asking for something in Jesus name, as we saw, is to ask for something that will glorify the father in the son. That's important too. in the son, recognizing that we are the body. He is the head. He is the vine. We are the branches. And as we saw, that gives us the key test. And again, I hope you apply this in your prayer life as to whether or not a prayer is in Jesus' name. And it's a simple question. Remember, if the prayer is answered, it will the Father be glorified in the Son. If this prayer is answered, will the Father be glorified in the Son? And then we ask the question, well, how do we know what prayers will accomplish that? And we saw that the answer to that is quite simple, but quite challenging, because we simply cannot ask for anything in Jesus' name until we've come to know him. If you said, you know, I'm coming here and -and so-and-so has sent me here. And so I'm asking for this in his name. It means a couple of things like we saw. First of all, he sanctions. We know for sure that this is what he wants us to ask for. And secondly, we know him. If we don't know him, we can't ask for something in his name. It's kind of that simple. When a believer has come to know Christ, then that believer will know what he should ask for in Jesus' name. But again, this is so important, the principle. A person can't effectively ask for anything in Jesus' name until he has come to know Jesus well enough to know that Jesus endorses that request. Now, we all want to have prayers answered. But what we need to do is this. We need to come to know him. We need to be um, focused and even active in our approach, our pursuit of coming to know him. And of course, that that involves hearing the word of God and it involves obeying it, as we're going to see this morning. That's all part of this. We're going to see this morning, start to see how John writes in circles. (laughs) You know, uh, Paul, he's right along. He's like a freight train going from A to B to C. That's not John. John 
talks about that you'll see this like wait a minute is he repeating himself well he sort of is but there's something else and then he's flipping it and he's turning it the other way he goes love my love my obedience my obedience his love i get to know him better i love him more and that's what i mean by circles we're going to see more of that it's it's very much in evidence here in the in chapters 5, 13 through 17 please turn to chapter 16 speaking of Please turn to chapter 16 now. John chapter 16, verse 23. John chapter 16, verse 23. Because Jesus, this evening, before he goes to the cross, is teaching his disciples. And as he moves, he's he's bringing them along. He's introducing something, and then he's bringing them along with it. He talks about asking for things in his name, and then he comes back to that subject again. Look at John chapter 16, verse 23. In that day, this is after Jesus is risen from the dead, after, in fact, he has ascended into heaven, after, in fact, he has sent the Holy Spirit down. He's going to talk about that back in our passage in chapters 14, verses 16 and 17. He's going to talk about the Holy Spirit. In that day, you won't question me about anything. Truly, I truly I say to you, if you ask for the Father for anything in my name, he will give it to you. But notice verse 24. Until now, you have asked for nothing in my name. Now, you can take this two ways. You can take it to the fact that they haven't done it, or the other side of it is they haven't been able to do it. Because why? They haven't come to know him. You can see that we've seen that in, 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 in chapter 14, where Philip asks him, you know, show us the father. And he says, have I been with you so long and you still have not come to know me? Now, they knew him in certain respects, but in that particular area, they haven't come to know him. And that's important. If you're going to pray for something and you want to be praying in Jesus name, you have to understand in that area. OK, let's say it's it's it's. Uh, preaching the gospel, or let's say it's a friend who's very sick, right? You have to come to know what Jesus thinks in that area. And then you will be able to pray for things that are in his name, because you'll understand that all of this is subject to the will of God. I've been thinking about this this morning with Helen. You all know who've been here on Thursdays, or even if you haven't, that we've been praying for her for a while, praying for her with specific things. But... We always have to remember, especially with the specifics, that it's all subject to the will of God, which we sometimes can try to understand from the word of God. But it's up to him. You know, we if we pray for something um, and we say we want it to be according to your will, right, that Jesus would say, not my will, but your will. We have to be prepared for what we asked for not to be granted. The reason is, is if we thought it was automatic, then we would we would be so arrogant and we would say, gee, everything I asked for is in God's will. But that's simply not the case. We can't. We For something, we don't have enough information. For others, he knows something that will glorify him and we don't think it will. I mean, I, I've been praying for Helen saying, you know, if, if you keep her until her their next anniversary, boy, that will glorify you. But he was saying, no, actually, what will glorify me the most is for her to come back to me at this point in time. That's hard. It's hard for us to wrestle with. But we have to just trust 
we have to understand that he obviously knows the big picture. He knows, for example, all the suffering that she was going through. We know that he has a perfect way of leading that family along so that they'd be prepared for what happened yesterday. And we don't like it. But then again, if we're truly asking for things in Jesus' name, we're also leaving it in the hands of the Father in his will. Again, chapter 16, verse 23. In that day, you will not question me about anything. Truly, truly, I say to you, if you ask for the Father in anything in my name, he will give it to you. Notice, until now, you have asked for nothing in my name because they haven't come to know him enough. But now, ask and you shall receive so that your joy may be made full. How would the apostles come to know him better? For that matter, how do we come to know him better? It wouldn't be by performing miracles. We talked about his greater works, and we saw that's not talking about miracles. Quite simply, here's, there's three things by which we come to know Jesus better. The first one is by continuing in his word, by continuing in it. See, if you're going to know somebody better, that means you're going to have to continue to do something, continue to work something, continue to develop that relationship. And we do that by continuing in the word of God, like Jesus said in John 8, 32. If you continue in my word, you will know the truth. You will know it. And the truth will make you free. By the way, we're going to see this morning that it's it, it, that continues beyond knowing, right? You know the truth, and the truth will make you free. But now he's going to say, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments, right? It, it, we have been set free by Christ. But we are now called not to use our freedom for, say, an opportunity for the flesh, Galatians 5, but rather use our freedom in love to serve one another. And you see, that's all a package. We've been, we've been separating this into sections, but the circle comes through. In other words, all of those four things are all a package. You can't separate it. You can't be saying, I'm doing greater works and not be praying and, and not be obeying, right? And not understand that it's actually the power of the spirit that enables those things. See, all of that is one thing that's in four parts, okay? The first one, continuing in his word. When we do that, we learn the truth. But remember, we learn the truth not because we're smart, not because we've memorized the words. No, it's by the mentorship of the Holy Spirit. You know, I've said this before, but you really have to take care when you try to systemize the word of God. When you say, I've got it now. I know that this goes to that, goes to that. And all I got to do is continue learning doctrine and, boy, I'll become a super grace believer. Some of you may know that reference. No, actually, that's not true. It's not true. Why? I'll tell you why. Because of the third thing, by doing what Jesus commanded them to do. And and that's, again, if it's kind of like it's kind of like um, sports fanatic, kind of like, say, somebody gets a rebound. Okay, that's step one. Then they pay passes it. That's step two. Then the guy dribbles it. That's step three. But if he stops at step three, there's no scoring involved, right? There's no scoring involved. You've got to get to scoring. Well, in the Christian way of life, 
scoring is doing what Jesus commands us to do. It all leads to that. Another way of saying that is the, that we are, we are teaching as pastors so that you will get to the point where you love. Not just know. Knowing is important, but it, it, it you got to complete that. you got to fulfill the whole purpose of learning those things, which is that. By doing what the Lord commands us, them, the apostles, and us to do. I'd like you to turn to 1 John Chapter 5, verses 14 to 15. 1 John, chapter 5, verses 14 to 15. Because here, John in his epistles. Now, remember, we have, got, we have John writing the gospel of John. <laughs> And that's primarily answering the question, who is Jesus, right? We saw that. And then he follows up with his letters, okay, the, the, the first one primarily. And what he's doing there is he's now turning and he's teaching the church, particular congregation here. And we've, we have studied that in the past about what was going on. But if you look at it in the big picture, now he's basically following up on the things that he wrote about Jesus. And now he's now putting them into practice when it comes to the, the body of Christ. And so we'll see that here. First John chapter 5, verse 14. This is the confidence which we have before him. Notice that if we ask anything, now notice what he says now, according to his will. See, Jesus said, ask in my name. Okay, John uses a different expression, according to his will. What is going on there? What's going on there is if we're going to if we're going to pray for something in his name, we have to pray according to the will of God. All right. That ties that together really nicely. And then again, this is again in verse 14. This is the confidence which we have before him that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have the requests which we have asked from him. In other words, John it uses a different expression, but he's really saying the same thing here, according to his will, according to the will of God. Why? Because if we're going to do what Jesus commands us to do in verse 15, we also have what we're doing was we're being obedient to the will of God. Now, how do we do that? Well, we do that by knowing what the word of God has to say, and then being obedient to it, being obedient to it. Not, not perfectly, but obedience is, is, is starts with an attitude of really of service, of, of, of subjecting ourselves to God's authority, to Jesus' authority, but then following that up. It's hard, though, to follow it up with acting and doing. Right? And I understand that, and I think you do, too. I'm not going to do it perfectly, but we're going to we're going to try. We're going to understand that that's the goal of this thing is to do what it is that he's asking us to do. And so, for example, we go to the word of God and, and, and we read in the word of God that, you know, do not be bound together with unbelievers. Right. But and we can say, oh, that makes perfect sense. But then we say to ourselves now we're in a situation. Right. Maybe we're dating somebody. Maybe we want to go into business with somebody. And then it's hard Right. It's hard to say, no, I'm not going to do that. 
Why? Because I want to be obedient to the will of God. That's hard. You can say, you know, I can say, well, you know, I have this friend and he did something against me and I'm really upset. Okay, that's human. But what is the what is God's will in that? What is the mind of Christ in that? What is he commanding you to do? Come on, gang. It's not hard. What? Thank you, Aaron. Forgive. Forgiving is hard. Learning the doctrine of forgiveness, you know, it takes some effort, but forgiving is what matters, and that's hard. But the thing about it is, as we will see this, as we continue to be obedient, doing what he has to say, see, that's the completion of things. What am I saying? It's it's completed because we're going to reside more in his love. As we reside more in his love, we get to know him better. As we get to know him better, we get to love him more. As we get to love him more, it's it's easier for us to be obedient. There's the circle, right? According to his will means obeying what it is that Jesus and the Father commands us to do. Now, seeing all of this, the disciples that night, this him teaching this would revolutionize their prayer life. And it ought to revolutionize ours that no longer we simply have a list. But every time we enter into prayer, we start understanding that, you know, we're in Christ. And he's told us that we ought to pray in his name, meaning it's according to the, the will of the father that we're coming to know Jesus better. So there's a connection between our learning and doing the word of God and our prayer life and our prayer life will will be more and more powerful, if I could use that word, because we're doing the other things, because we're in that circle, right, of knowing and obeying and loving, and then prayer life magnified. Look at Colossians chapter 1, verse 9. Colossians chapter 1, verse 9. Understanding the principle here again. That if you're going to pray for something in Jesus name, it means that you're praying for something that's going to glorify the father and the son. Right. And the way to do that is to get to know him better and then to put into practice what he says. Right. You don't really know somebody, especially somebody in authority. Got to remember, we're under the authority of Jesus Christ. You see, there's some relationships that are like this horizontal, sort of more or less equals friends. Right. But there's others. But then we have to understand, always never forget that we are under the authority of Jesus. And so that means that we are to be obedient to him. Now, you have to think about that for a minute. Does Jesus love the body? Okay. so whatever he commands, is that ultimately for the benefit of the body? Absolutely. Are we in the body? Absolutely. So whatever he commands is ultimately for the benefit of us too. We'll never know that unless we're obedient. But when we see that, when we complete that connection, now we get it. We understand why it is that he's commanding us to do what we're, what he's asking us to do. We understand what it means that asking will glorify him. We'll have seen how it is that our obedience actually glorifies the Father. And that will rev up our prayer life. All right, look at Colossians chapter 1, verse 9. For this reason also. Now, Paul is writing to the church. He, too, of course, is following along from starting point who Jesus is. Jesus now ascends to the Father. 
He's left a body of, of information about who he is. Now he's at the right hand of the Father. Now the Spirit has come down and he's in our hearts. And now our prayer life. Okay, and Paul is developing this in a revolutionary way for the church. Now remember, the apostles on that night with Jesus, okay, the church hadn't started yet. That's why so many things he's talking about in the future. You will, you will. Well, now we're here and, and it's we are in the body of Christ. And so Paul comes, he's our apostle, right? This is what he says. Verse 9, for this reason also, since the day we heard of it, we have not ceased to pray for you. What did he pray for? Did he pray for them that they'll always they'll never be sick? No. Did he pray that they'll all be rich? No. Notice what he prays for. Notice what he prays for. To ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will. There it is. And, I, and, and so you have to be honest with yourself and say, am I filled with the knowledge of his will? And you know what? Any one of us, if we're being honest, cannot say, oh, yeah. <laughs> right. Well, we may know something about his will, but to be filled with it, that's a process. That's a continuing to get to know him and the power of his resurrection, being conformed to his death. Um, but, he, but that's his prayer. It's forward looking. He's saying, this is what this is my goal for you. That you may be filled with the knowledge of his will, right? Not not riches in your pocket, right? But knowledge of his will. That's first. And all spiritual wisdom and understanding. So that, so that, ah, verse 10, so that. We've seen this so many times. What do those two words mean? So that. For the purpose of, right? We've seen that so often. For the purpose. So notice he's praying for knowledge. He's praying for wisdom. And understanding, and that's step one. But what's the purpose? Let's read it. Verse 10, so that you will walk in a manner worthy of the Lord. You will act in a manner worthy of the Lord. How do you do that? By pleasing him in all respects. And you can't do that without doing what he says. Pleasing him in all respects. Sure, it starts with growing up spiritually, but you can't please him if you don't do what he says, right? A child can say, I love you, daddy. A child can learn about what daddy wants you to do, but daddy isn't pleased until what? You do. You start to bring into practice. You start to say, I, I, I respect the authority of my father, my mother, and therefore I, they know more than I do. And I want to please them. And the way I please them is to be obedient to them. That's fundamental, right? Children, obey your parents so that may you live long on the earth, right? Obedience. To please him in all respects. Now notice, bearing fruit in every good work. Bearing fruit in every good work. Fruit is effective, right? What is effective about our obedience to God? If we're praying that that the gospel may go forward and we have an opportunity to preach the gospel and we're obedient to that. Now, what's the fruit? Well, the fruit could be right. Somebody believing in Jesus Christ. If, if, if what you're doing in obedience is serving other members of the body of Christ, what's the fruit of that? The fruit of that is that they're edified, you're edified. And most importantly, God is glorified. God is glorified. Jesus will start to talk about fruit in chapter 15 when he says, I am the vine, you are the branches. 
And and I, I, the Lord has, the Father has set this up so that you may bear fruit and your fruit may remain. Jesus, when he was, when he was with the Samaritan people in chapter four, right, he said the harvest is rich, right? What was the harvest? It was, remember, there was those men coming on down from the hill in Sychar and, and available now to have the word of God preached. And many of them believe, and that was the fruit. Bearing fruit in every, in every good work, okay? And in, then again, increasing in the knowledge of God. Notice the loop, right? Notice, knowledge filled with the knowledge of his will, obedience, walking in a manner worthy of the Lord to please him, bearing fruit from that. And by that, by, by doing all of that, we just by that alone, not, not anymore by learning the word of God, but pleasing him in all respects, we increase in the knowledge of God. We, we, we increase in the knowledge of God. Certainly that was true about him. You know, if he said, I love you. What am I going to do? I'm going to give to you. I'm going to act. And then what happens? We now understand something more about the love and grace of God. When we look at that cross, see, that was an action, right? By which we got it. We understand, hopefully, the love of God and how it's magnified in the death of his son. So if that's true about him, it's also true about us. Again, verse 10, the purpose so that you will walk in a manner worthy of the Lord to please him in all respects, bearing fruit in every good work. And then by that, I fruit increasing in the knowledge of God. And then verse 11, strengthen. Can you see how this is a reinforcing thing? Right. We might say, I don't have the strength to forgive somebody. I don't have the strength to say no. I don't have the strength to walk away from this situation. Okay, well, get into the loop, right? Be, understand more about what God's will is. Acquire wisdom. Now start to walk in that way. Act, please him. And then you'll see fruit in your life from that. And you'll know him better from that fruit. And the Holy Spirit is guiding this all along. And then you're going to be strengthened with all power according to his glorious might. And then we get purpose again for the purpose of attaining all steadfastness and patience. See, he is look, he is ultimately also involved and in, in looking for us to be steadfast and patient. In other words, the fruit of the spirit, speaking of fruit developing in us. Right. That's all part of the picture for attaining of all steadfastness and patience. And notice the gratitude. That's such an important part of our lives. And we forget that. Right? Joyously giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. It's a marvelous prayer. It's a prayer that starts with knowledge and moves to obedience and comes back. And there's more power in our life to do more of that. And that power is expressed, right? Not in miracles, right? Not in huge ministries. It's so interesting. How is that power Express what's the attainment that comes from the power that we're strengthened by? It's steadfastness, perseverance, being able to hang in there, and patience. You know, if we if we pray for something in Jesus' name and we mean it, and we want the Father to be glorified in the Son, very often we have to have patience while God works things out. Joyously giving thanks to the Father. I, I hope that you're experiencing that, and I hope that that the, the Spirit allows you to stop every once in a while and to realize how much he's given you, how much Jesus, the Father, and the Spirit have given you in all kinds of ways. And then you'll, give, you'll be thankful. 
The day goes better when you're thankful to God. It, go, it doesn't go so well when you're not. And God designed it that way. All right, don't blame him. <laughs> Understand what he's asking you to do too. Be grateful in all things, right? In everything, give thanks. It was qualified us to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. And so the apostles, including Paul, would come to understand that they could actually, yes, have to reshare. Have to reshare. All right. Oh, there you go. <laughs> yeah, we're back. Yep. All right. I don't know. So again, there's a power. We started in Colossians 1, verse 10, verse 10 and 11. And that power is greater than miracles. That's the thing to understand. Please turn to Second, Second Thessalonians, chapter one, verse eleven. Second Thessalonians, chapter one, verse eleven. Again, we're looking at Paul. He's our apostle. He's teaching us about prayer. We're going to see how it's. It's revved up, if I could use that expression, in the church age. We understand why. We understand that there's things that have been revealed to us that never were revealed in the Old Testament or even to the disciples of Jesus. There's power in that. There's understanding. There's greater works because of the purpose of the works is greater. The extent of it is greater. Second Thessalonians 1.11. To this end also, here again, this is prayer. Paul praying we pray for you always. That's, that's the members of the congregation. His congregation, our congregation, the body of Christ. To this end also we pray for you always. What? That our God will count you worthy of your calling. That our God will count you worthy of your calling. He's praying for that. What does that mean? Well, we understand we're called. We understand that we're saints. We understand that we have an inheritance. But then we're called for a purpose, right? We're not just called, hey, how are you, Lord? No, I'm calling you like I called my apostles for purpose. And he's saying, that's how you're counted worthy of your calling. Okay. Paul's praying for that. And and how? And fulfill every desire for goodness. The fruit of the spirit includes goodness. You know, we we had to keep our minds, keep thinking about that which is good and then doing it. Every desire for goodness and the work of faith with power, purpose, so that the name, there's that name again. See, we ask for things in Jesus' name, but Paul here is praying for the fact that when we are obedient and take action and do the work of faith, then the name of our Lord Jesus will be glorified in us, in us in him, according to the grace of our God and the Lord Jesus Christ. We should never get arrogant Yes. Are we in relationship with the Lord? Yes. Is that mutual? Yes. But it's really not equal because we can't do anything without the grace of God. Or as Jesus would put it, without me, you can't do anything. Right. So don't get that twisted. So, you know, let us now think about our own prayer life. Let us now say, okay, I'm ready now. I've understood what it means to pray in Jesus name. Understand that we are I'm, I'm to grow in knowledge of him. I understand that that involves being obedient. I understand now that I should be praying in the same way that Paul prays. All right. We saw, for example, this one. So this last week in Philippians three, we should pray 
that we would come to know the Lord Jesus Christ. That, that, it, that, our, uh, that our spiritual life wouldn't be haphazard, that we wouldn't be the kind of people that just gets a verse and thinks about it and says, what is this for me today? And then puts it aside. But rather that everything should be focused on coming to know the Lord Jesus Christ, at least asking that question. Now, what is it in what I'm going through today that will help me to know him better? What is it in what I'm, what I'm looking at in the word of God today that will help me to come to know him better? When that happens, then we'll be what? Filled with the knowledge of God's will. We should pray that for ourselves. Pray that you would be filled with the knowledge of God's will, right? Not that that you would be filled with trying to engineer what I want into his will and try to pretend that's his will. No, that I may be coming to understand truly what God's will is, okay? That and it may not, it's often not what we originally think about to pray, that his will is so much bigger, so much greater than anything that we can think or imagine, right? So that's where we have to adjust and realize that when we're praying, it's going to have to be according to his will. And that not only that, but then that turns into action. We should pray on, a, on an ongoing basis that we would walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, worthy of his calling. We should pray that we would, that we would live in such a way as we're pleasing him in all respects of our lives. All right, that's that's we can pray for that. We ought to pray for that. Can you see how this will really revolutionize your prayer life? I'm I want you to be honest right now. I want you to think about how you prayed in the last month. Okay, and and I think it's great. Any kind of prayer is great, but the question is, how do we pray in such a way that we're praying in Jesus' name? Right? We come to know Him. We ask, Father, I want to come to know Him better. We ask, fill me up the knowledge of Your will. Help me to walk in a manner worthy of you. Help me to please you in all respects. And then also, very important, in particular, purpose for the church, that God will open a door for us to proclaim the gospel. You should pray for that. I think a lot of you do, but that's an important prayer. Right? The fruit, right? I pray that as I as I am among unbelievers, that you would open a door. You should pray for that. You know, you should and and I do that, not always, but really, I, have, I hope, I know all of you have come into situations where you're like, hey, that's an unbeliever. Hey, I want to preach the gospel. Hey, I feel funny about preaching the gospel. Hey, I need help. Hey, listen, Lord, I need you to open a door. Sometimes that just means continuing to speak with somebody until, boom, the door is open. And then you say, ah, now it's the moment. See? We should pray for that in and of ourselves. Right. I mean, I know in the past we've had evangelism Sundays and and we've thought about, you know, process and procedure. But you know what? Ultimately, none of that works without that, without praying that Lord will open a door for us. You should be praying. If there's somebody that you want to be saved, you should be praying that that happens. And you should be praying that God would open up a door for you to proclaim the gospel or somebody else. And then finally, so that the name of our Lord Jesus Christ will be glorified in us and us in him. The final purpose of it all. Okay. Well, that's a lot on prayer. I think you can see that there's two little verses in John 14, but that opens up a big subject that we've only kind of stretched the surface of because we got to, you know, this is a, we don't want to lose track 
of, of the, where we are in the gospel. Because again, it was so important that we that we continue to link everything up. Like I'm trying to do that, saying, okay, here we are in chapter 14, but remember chapter four, and I want you to think about how he's brought us here. That's the beauty of verse by verse teaching. And so we're gonna gonna be brief, even though it may not seem brief, but in terms of what's what's in the word of God about any one of these subjects, what we're doing is really, really brief, but hopefully impacting you. Look at let's go back now to the Gospel of John. We're gonna we're gonna continue now in verse fifteen, the third big subject in this section. First big subject, you'll be doing greater things than the Lord did because he goes to the Father. Second big subject, prayer. If you ask for anything in my name, I will do it, that my Father will be glorified. Third, verse 15. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. By the way, this is both a test and a truth and hopefully a prophecy. Right? It's every day of our lives. It's a test. Okay. No, I say I love him. What's the test? Keeping his commandments. That's a test. But it's also a truth. As you come to love him better, you will keep his commandments. That's the second way and an important way. Sometimes if involves condition. If this, then that. Remember, we studied this. And sometimes if and if means this is evidence of that. Remember? And sometimes this and that are actually equal. And in large respect, all, it's funny, in this particular subject, in this particular verse, all three of those are in view. It's a, it's a prediction. Trust me, as you come to love me better, you will keep my commandments. Can you see how we can see this? And he's saying three things in one, right? But first, we need to re- we get, need to take the first one. We need to have a test that we can apply um, in our lives to say, okay, loving him, what does it mean? Keeping his commandments. You see, in our relationship with the Lord, with the Lord, Love and obedience are inextricably linked. They're totally linked to one another. Okay? One, in other words, what I mean by that is that they're in a tight relationship with one another. You can't have one without the other. Reminds me of that song, Love and Marriage. You can't have one without the other. Trying to lighten this a little bit. I know this is heavy stuff. Was saying, but in this case, right, when it comes to our relationship to the one in authority, to the head, as we the body, love and obedience are inextricably linked. Okay? That's true, by the way, of all authority relationships. That's true of father-son. It's true of husband-wife. Okay? It's true of government. Ooh, yeah. You can say you love our country, right? But are you obedient to the laws of the country? You see, we're supposed to be. I know that's a little sting for us these days with what's going on in our country. Right? Some of us look at uh, paying taxes and we're like, why am I doing this? And the answer is, is because you're under the authority of Jesus Christ and he told you to do it. So in our, in our relationship with the Lord, love and obedience are linked. You can't, in other words, you can't just say, I love him. Right. And, and say, well, that part's optional, that obedience thing. Right. This is all just a heart relationship. This is all just mental. That's not what the Bible says. You can't have one without the other. 
in the same way. Obedience is leads to love, right? Obedience leads to love. I'm going to show you in a minute one of these circles, one of these loops, and it's going to be an application. It's going to have to do with what I just mentioned, the husband and wife relationship. A beautiful picture of our relationship with the Lord. And he says so in Ephesians chapter 5, right? This mystery is great, but I am speaking with respect to the Lord and the church, right? What am I saying? What's the, what's, what is God calling for the husband to do in obedience to him? Love, Love your wives. What is the wife called to do? Respect, but also obey. That's that word that nobody wants to put in there. But it's obey, right? Well, what happens as you, as you, as the woman is obeying the husband? Guess what happens? The loop. The husband loves her, right? As he, as, as she understands that he, that he loves her, and looking out for her, obedience becomes easy. Yeah, and that's how God designed it. God's an optimist. He's put these things together. It's saying, please do this. Because I put some, this is a wonderful loop. If you just enter into it, just both get on the wheel, go around together and push in the same direction, it'll be fine. Right? So love and obedience are inextricably linked. I'd like you to turn to John chapter 15, verse 10. John chapter 15, verse 10. I want you to see the loop. Like that word, the circle. So he's we see in our verse today, he says, if you if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. Ready? If you love me, you'll keep my commandments. Isn't that what he said? Love me, keep my commandments. Look at John 15, 10. If you keep my commandments, you'll abide in my love. Can you see how that's a circle? Love me, keep my commandments. Keep my commandments, abide in my love. Abide in my love makes it easier to love. We love because he first loved us. That leads us to keep his commandments. And then we abide, continue to abide in his love and understand more and more about how much he loves us. And as we do that, obedience follows. And as obedience, I mean, loving him follows more. And then obedience. And then understanding how much we're loved. And then loving him more. And obedience. Isn't that great? You know, we tend to think that, boom, it's just here you go. You better do this. Not understanding that there's a love link in all of this. It's not, it's not, this is, you know, this is not some dry, um, he's going to get me if I don't kind of thing. Obedience. We treat it that way. We're not, we're, we're kind of missing the whole point when we do that. It's a love relationship with the Lord, right? We love because he first loved us. We love, therefore we obey. We obey, therefore we bind in his love. He loves us. We love him. We obey. He loves us. Reminds me of the girl with the pedals, right? He loves me. <laughs> he loves you. There's no question. Isn't that right? John 3, 16. Well, God so loved the world, us in our unbelief condition, that he gave his son. And now we just look at the cross. He loves me. He loves me. He loves me. Now, if you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. If you love me, you'll keep my commandments. Well, guess what? We have a role model in that. We're not starting from scratch. We saw the same thing with uh, with prayer, right? We saw how Jesus sets the precedent for prayer. Well, guess what? He also sets the precedent. In other words, he goes first. He shows how it's done. 
right? He does it, and then he turns it over to us. His love, remember the circle, love, obedience, right? Well, Jesus loved the Father. How did he show it? It was obedient to the Father, right? Love and obedience. Jesus showed us how to do it. It is relationship with his Father. And again, as amazing as this is, it's also true that Jesus, in his humanity, though he never stopped being the Son of God, had, a, had an authority relationship with his father. Think about that. It can't be otherwise. He can't say that, not my will, but yours be done. He can't say that I, I obey you and I please you. You can't say that, that you, you have put me here and you've given me everything I need unless he's acknowledging the fact that in his humanity, the father is over, is, has authority over Jesus in his humanity. Once again, though, the precedence of love and obedience Oh, wait, are we in John 15, 10? Yeah. Yeah, oh, it's just the second part of that verse. I was looking for another verse. Where am I going? Right there. If you love, if you keep my commandments, you abide in my love, just as I kept my father's commandments and abide in his love. See it? That same relationship, that love-obedience relationship started with Jesus and his father, right? And think about what it meant for Jesus to keep his father's commandments. Ooh. It meant that he knew that he would enter into the the, 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 the the terrible situation of having to face and confront over and over again, right, the leadership of the Jews who would reject him and hate him and plot to kill him. And that finally when he was in that garden and he said, not my will, but thine be done, he was essentially signing his own death warrant, wasn't he? He says, yes, in obedience to my father, I will let them come. I will let them arrest me. I will let them beat me and mock me and spit on me. I will let them tr- prove me guilty, even though I'm innocent. I will let those Roman soldiers take me to the cross and have them nail nails in my hands and my feet, and I'm going to die. I kept my father's commandments. Now, we're not Jesus, right? But we have his example. We can say, you know, today, all he's, all he's asking me to do is to take like an hour out of my day to serve somebody. That's that's what he's asking me to do. What did the father ask Jesus to do? Right. And we have to say, well, if he can do it, we can do it on our own level. Right. And so what I'm saying is, is that we should look to that relationship between Jesus and his father. Like when we need the strength, when we need the convincing Right. To just go that extra step. But we should look and say, well, Jesus did. And and the step he was asked to take blows away anything that I need to take. So it's important to understand the precedent that he sets, the precedent that he sets. Okay, I think that's enough for this morning. We're going to continue this subject about love and obedience next week. Okay, so let's at this point, just let's just close in prayer. Heavenly Father, it couldn't be any clearer than the words that Jesus spoke to his disciples. It couldn't be any clearer than we are to ask for things in his name by getting to know him, by being subject and obedient to how he thinks. That, that we understand that it's all according to the, to, to the purpose of glorifying you. 
we thank you that if you've, you've encouraged us that we will be able to perform greater works in nature because of the fact that it's not miracles, but it's salvation. We also, Father, thank you for introducing us this morning to this relationship between obedience and love. So important. It's so important because it goes against human nature. But we know that we're not alone, right? We know that he's the head and he and we're the body. We know that he's the vine and we're the branches and the branches can do nothing except for what the vine sends through it. And so we always understand that it's on the basis of your power and the power of the spirit. Father, this morning, once again, we do want to just spend a moment here to pray for our brother, Bill, his family. We know that he's going through a trial right now. We know that you said that when those who weep, we should weep with them. We know that we should not love in word, but in deed. And we ask in the, we ask that we're able to do that with Bill that every needs. Father, as we close today, we also thank you for the simplicity of the gospel. And we ask, Father, once again, that as we always should be doing, that we are able to rehearse the gospel in our hearts as we also preach the gospel to anybody who is listening today or whenever they listen um, and, and give them an opportunity to hear the truth that Jesus Christ is your son. He's God in the flesh. All of us are we're born dead in our trespasses and sins. All of us have sinned and fall short of your glory. That's why you sent Jesus Christ to us. That's why he died on the cross, was buried, and on the third day you raised him from the dead. And then there's the simplicity of how when you turn to the unbeliever and you say, this has all been done, here it is. What, all you have to do is believe that Jesus died for you, that he's your savior, and that I raised him from the dead. Believe on the Lord Jesus and you will be saved. Well, Father, we thank you for these things. And now it's, we ask that the Holy Spirit would help us to do the things that we've seen this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.